Thank you, Steve and Marianne, for sharing that. During this month, we're going to be also speaking on Sundays about encounters with God. We're praying for encounters with God on Friday. We're speaking on encounters with God on Sunday. And that's going to be our focus. Because if we encounter God, everything else does not matter. And that's what we're interested in. This week, I'm pulling from our book that we've been reading for the last month, which has been Why Revival Tarries by Leonard Ravenhill. Slight note, someone brought it to my attention that there, for some reason, another author wrote a book of the exact same title in like the 70s, and I don't know what that book says at all. So the one we read as a church was by Leonard Ravenhill. If you went on Amazon and bought something else, I can't say anything about that book. Uh, the fact that he would title it that makes me suspicious that it's good. Uh, it, if, you, if, you go, if you read a book and you go home and it does not say Leonard Ravenhill on it, uh, I hope it blessed you. If not, throw it away and buy the Leonard Ravenhill book and we can and read that again. It's a good book. And as I said, if you've signed up for our Form and Fire group, uh, we're going to have that meeting on Thursday, I think, this week. or may, I'll send out an invitation. It'll be in the next week or so to talk about it. The main thing is this, though, reading the book. The discussions are good. But the main thing is to be reading it. And this month we're going to be reading a book called The Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. If there's another book called The Celebration of Discipline, I have no idea what it is. <laughs> Don't buy that one. Richard Foster is the one who wrote this book. And it's good. It's about the spiritual disciplines of our life. So this, this, this week, the message I have about the encounter of God, I pulled a lot of this from Leonard Ravenhill and why, the, why Revival Terries. It seems to be, as I've encountered him throughout my life, that this is included in the book, but it also was a message he would speak a lot. It was like a life message of his, and then I felt like God gave me some other things to include in it. It's based on mainly Isaiah 6, and if you know the book of Isaiah, this is the time when Isaiah encounters the Spirit of God in the temple, and I'm just going to read a chunk of it. Um, it's Isaiah 6, 1 through 8. I'm going to read that, then we're going to go through some things. So, so uh, here's the word of the Lord, Isaiah 6, 1 through 8. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. This is him speaking, Isaiah. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. And this is the main point, um, is that this was a three-part vision that he had. He's in the temple of God like he does, and he encounters the holy presence of God. And he tries to describe it as even just the tiniest piece of his robe fills the entire temple. And as the angels that are around him are speaking, the temple is shaking, and he's obviously freaked out because he says, woe to me. <laughs> and, but this, the main point is this is three parts, that it's an upward vision that he saw the Lord, 
that is an inward vision that he saw himself, and there was an outward vision that he saw the world. Okay, This is Leonard Ravenhill's point. It was an upward vision that he saw the Lord. It was an inward vision that he saw himself, and it was an outward vision that he saw the, the world. Here I go. Here I am. Send me. You know. But it starts with this term, in the year King Uzziah died. And if you look in Second Chronicles, you can find a story. Um, this guy was not a bad guy. You know, like most of the kings in Judah and Israel, pretty messed up guys. And it'll say, like, then this guy became king, and he also didn't do what God wanted him to do. And, blah, blah, you know, and it's just like this list of terrible things. And there's like a very short list of people that, like, didn't do that. This is one of those guys. It turns out he's, like, really good guy, does a lot of good things. And even militarily, like, God had blessed him, you know, with... They would win in battles. They would, he would bless them financially. God had blessed them agriculturally. They would do things that would work. It even says he invented weapons that would hurl large stones. So he's even creative, you know. And they're successful like in everything they do. But then it literally says that that caused him to be prideful, and that pride was his downfall. Should give us some pause in our culture these days. And what did he do? He decided... I am going to go into the temple of God and burn incense, which was a job for the priests, not for him. You go, what's the big deal? This is God's rule. It doesn't matter what we think about it. God says, I don't want you doing that. I want them doing that. And he's like, I can do anything. Look at me. I'm, I'm, my military takes over everything. You know, my ideas all work. You know, I got tons of money. Nobody can stop me. He's forgetting how God had done all this stuff. He decides, I'm going to go burn incense in the temple. And the priests are like, yo, dude, like, we like you and stuff, but this is a bad idea because God said don't do that. He's like, whatever. And it had 80 guys trying to stop him from doing it. He's like, I'm going to do it anyway. And he goes in there, and immediately he, God strikes him with leprosy, meaning they can see it on his face. So they're like, you're messed up, dude. They take him out, and he ends up dying from it. This is, this is, this is what pride does to us. Okay, and when you forget what God is doing in your life and you start to, this is what happens. A lot of people think Isaiah and Uzziah were, were friends. They probably were. I, don't, I didn't study it at length, but a lot of people say that. So now he's, so he's just marking this. Like, you're my friend died for doing a really dumb thing. I saw the Lord. And I'm sure many of us have prayed something like, I want to see God. And there's people in the Bible that have prayed that, and some of them get their, you know, get get their prayer answered. And most of the time, they have a an encounter like this that's that's terrifying, because God is all powerful, God is all consuming, God is is amazing beyond our ability to understand, and it's overwhelming at least and terrifying. And this is the experience that he has, and. In those three, I said there's three parts, an upward vision seeing God, an inward vision seeing himself, and an outward vision seeing the world. Um, Leonard Ravenhill breaks it down into three words that make the main points that we're going to focus on. He gets it out of the King James, which I heard him say in a, <laughs> I heard him say in a message that he calls it the never improved version because it was like right when the NIV came out. So he's like, I'm using the NIV. That's a, okay. I wish Kevin was. I wish Kevin was here. He would have laughed at that. Kevin, I hope you're laughing at home, streaming along with us. In the King James version, the never improved version, the words are "Woe to me, 
And the angel says, lo, and God says, go. So it's three words, woe, lo, and go. I heard another pastor, Duran Gray, in Charlotte kind of update this, and he calls it lament, repent, sent. Might be a little easier to understand. Lo is not a word we use so much. But the point is, when he encounters God in all of his godliness, he's like, whoa, this isn't good. I'm messed up. Because he knows. You know, uh, the, we've talked about this before when I talked about private beliefs and public beliefs, you know, and these kinds of things. Leonard Ravenhill says basically the same thing. There are three persons living in each of us. The one we think we are, the one other people think we are, and the one God knows we are. Suddenly when you're before God, you know who you are. All those things kind of become one. The, uh, um, a healthy person, I would argue, probably, the closer these three things are to the same, probably is equal to the close of the, the emotional health of that person or that believer or something. You see what I'm saying? And we can deceive ourselves. We can fool other people. You're not fooling God. And suddenly, when you stand before God, you realize, oh, man, I'm not fooling anybody, you know, or at least I'm not fooling him, you know. And you say, woe unto me, because I'm not holy like this guy's holy. And you just know it. But then God is merciful, and he sends the seraphim with a coal from the altar to touch his lips and take his sin away. So he says, lo, your sins are forgiven. Or he repents and his sins are forgiven, you see. And at that state, now he's standing before a holy God in a suddenly gifted holy state. And God says, who's going to go for me? And he says, I'll go for you. It's something about understanding how God feels towards the lost. That once God saves us from being lost or broken or whatever, we can suddenly enter into, maybe maybe even specifically, some of us have struggled with something or been hurt by something, and then God delivers us from that. And we have a sense of God's heart in that area for the world. And he's saying, who will do anything about this? And we're going, I will, you know. Um, Leonard Ravenhill says that if you, if, if you only want to be saved... This is a quote. I'll just read it. If you only want to be saved, sanctified, and satisfied, then the Lord's battle hath no need of thee. But it's not all about us, this exchange here. What God is doing is beyond that. And so as I was reading this, I felt pushed by God to read in John 15 a completely different story. And I spent days trying to understand how these two things fit together. And I think I got like half of it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you this. The first one's in Isaiah 6. So you can write that down or just take a mental note. The second one's in John 15. And so I'm going to give you what I got from this. And if God speaks to you, you might get something way better than anything. Don't let my limitations hold back what God might be showing us, okay? John 15, 9 through 17, you find a story where this is Jesus speaking, the same God, okay? His train fills the temple, right? Well, now he's here in human form. He's talking with his disciples, and he says this. John 15, 9-17, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this 
so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Who wants complete joy? Four or five. I'm just kidding. I count like Steve. (laughs) My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Now listen to this. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because the servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Now, I stood there for days with these two chunks of Scripture. They're almost, on these sheets of paper, they're almost the exact same length. And I just sat there. And I sat there. I was like, God, what is happening here? And I felt like the Lord said, it's the same thing. I was like, I don't get that. You know, one, you're shaking the temple and woe to me and da-da-da. And the other, you're, you're my friend. And I think I see a couple things. One is this. Some of us are very comfortable with Almighty God, who's scary, we need to stay away from that guy because he might smite us or something. We imagine God as distant. Like, we're cool. We understand. Yeah, of course he's powerful. He's God. He made everything. So, yeah, he's powerful. I get it. Um, but certainly not to be approached. Like, whoa, need to stand back. You know, this is scary. You know, he's probably mad at everybody. We're comfortable. Some of us are comfortable with that because it's... It gives us something to work with, okay? And then some of us are comfortable with the idea that God's cool. I mean, Jesus is cool. He loves me. That's all that matters. He just loves me. He loves me exactly how I am. Don't you try to tell me to change anything. Jesus just, we're just cool. It's all cool. Everything is cool. Whatever I do is going to be good. You know, I can imagine, you know, what I'm trying to say is neither one of these things as a whole, like as a, If you want to take an image of God and make it out of one of these caricatures, you'll have something to work with because it's true. God does love us just the way we are. But it's also true that God is absolutely holy and powerful. The interesting thing is he's both of these things at the same time all the time. And Jesus is both of these things at the same time all the time. And if you read in John, the story right before this is about the vine. And he's clipping pieces off and throwing them in the fire. The fire. (laughs) Leonard Ravenhill says in that book, William Booth, he's the founder of the Salvation Army. So he says, William Booth of the Salvation Army is quoted as saying that if I could do it, he would have finalized the training of his soldiers with 24 hours hanging over hell to see its eternal torment. This is not lightweight stuff, okay? This is the same guy calling you friends. I started to see the same thing here. That This is an upward vision he saw the Lord. It's an inward vision he saw himself, and an outward vision he saw the world. And he calls it woe, low, and go. 
I saw this. It's an upward vision because Jesus is God. He's seeing God. He's seeing into the heart of God. But he's saying, <laughs> mine was woe instead of W-O-E. I should have made a slide. Mine is woe, W-O-A-H. Like, woe. Because he's like, you are my friends. And you're like, whoa, what? You know? That's funny to me. Okay. I heard Justin laugh, so I feel better. It was an in... Uh, <laughs> And an inward vision that we are his friends, that the same person who's full of sin is the one that he's saying, I chose you, and I'm showing you the Father's work. So mine was show. You're not just a servant. You're his friend. But the same outward vision. Now go bear fruit you need to we need to ponder what it's like to befriend god and to be shown his business which he describes here love each other to love as god loves is the father's business And, and, and it leaves us with this sort of situation where Jesus, remember I read, I read this earlier, Linda Ravenhill says, if you want to just be saved, if you only want to be saved, sanctified and satisfied, then, satisfied, then the Lord's battle hath no need of thee. So much happens when we put our faith in Jesus. And so we've had so much time, and what I mean by that is 2,000 years or so of the good news of the Messiah, Jesus, coming, that we've been able to focus on different little pieces. And parts of the church, we all have our little things we kind of focus on. And so you end up taking this huge picture of God in the gospel of Jesus, the King of Israel, the King of the world, and reducing it to something that makes maybe sense to your time. And it's not necessarily even bad to do so because this is like, whoa, you know, and this might be a way we can grab hold of it. And we all do it. But sometimes those kind of things can limit our understanding of who God is and what God's doing in such a way that we become self-centered in the salvation story. That if all we're looking for is what? Peace? Well, you get it. But that's not the point. Or joy, you get it. But that's not the point. Love, you get it. But that's not the point. These are the fruit of the Spirit. You see? All Jesus offers is himself. And he asks us to do the same. We give him our lives. It's as if you try to save your life, you lose it. But if you lose your life, for his sake, you find it. The... (laughs) He doesn't promise you. It's it's like if you get, I'm going to get into this so that all my needs will be met. And I define that as I got a nice car, I get a nice house, I have a nice life, my wife's cool, my kids. It's like none of that is guaranteed at all. He promises himself, you see? But with him is everything. Leonard Ravenhill says this, he who fears God fears no man. He who kneels before God will stand in any situation. I know people who were saying silly things about that recently in regards to some racial stuff, which that was completely ridiculous. And 
has nothing to do with what God is talking about here, what he's, or what Leonard Ravenhill is talking about God here, what, is, what this is saying is that if you kneel before God, then nothing else matters. Do you understand? When you encounter God, nothing else matters but God. Jesus only promises himself, but he gives his full self, the same self that shakes the temple. He gives it and fill each and every one of us. And he, all he asks is for us to do the same in return, and we have such a hard time with that. Because what he's saying is, I'll be with you in the difficult times. And the fruit still will be the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, good faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But those are the fruit. The vine is Jesus, and that's, that's all he offers is himself. And he says, come follow me. And I'm going to read this. This is Matthew 16, 24 to 27. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? I'm going to read that again. We all know that first part, but think about the second part of this. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in His Father's glory that filled the temple with his angels, and he will reward each person according to what they have done. Woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips. Lo, your sin is forgiven. Now go. And then, woe, this is God calling me his friend. And show, he's showing me his father's business, and he's telling me to go bear fruit, which is to love each other. I believe we can do this. I don't believe we can do this out of strength. I don't think you can try harder. I think it requires the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I think it's God's Spirit living within us that brings this fruit. And if you need prayer to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, come down and we'll lay hands on you and pray for you. If you also want to come on Friday, we'll, we take time every Friday praying for that. It's an essential to live a Christian life. But I want to close today by playing a song. Um, Jason Upton put this video out a week ago or so. And it's just about him singing about some of the attributes of God um, that somehow I felt like made sort of this tie together. If it doesn't, it's fine. It's still a good song. So I just pray that we can reflect on this during this time. And then I'll just close in some prayer and uh, we'll head out. So I just pray that the Lord has spoken to you through this. And God, I pray that you would help us to follow you um, in spite of how well or how badly I preach, Lord, or how any of that, Lord. I pray that you have spoken to us, Lord. I pray that we have been stirred by your spirit, your spirit alone. And Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. And God, bless our hearts as we listen to this song. And help us to...